British Spy Stories, Season 1 Spy or Traitor By M.F. Callagher Read by the author Episode 2 Gabrielle's first thought on hearing about Mac is that he is not dead at all, and that this is a cover, but half of her thinks that he would have told her if that was the case. Gabrielle goes back over the words he used earlier to see if he was trying to tell her something, but nothing seems obvious. There was nothing he hasn't told her before in a dozen different conversations. She picks up the TV remote control and pushes the buttons 4, 7, 6. A section of the lounge wall slides back. Gabrielle walks through and descends the stairs two at a time. Then she pushes the large steel door at the bottom of the shaft. She enters a grey equipment room with one red emergency light providing the only illumination. She flips a button and the four screens light up in front of her. She types in a password. Her reflection in the glass of the monitors looks strained, but she ignores it. Gabrielle spins round on the chair to a side panel with a mass of switches. She flicks them on and turns dials until a ringing tone pushes out from the speakers at both ends of the room. The words encrypt request are displayed on the screens in front of her. She says the daily code words and the screen changes to voice recognition accepted. Five seconds later, the video screens flicker and the image of an ops controller in London centre appears. Agent Blackhawk, how are you? The man is in his thirties, with curly hair and tiny wire glasses. I had a message about Asset Stranra, she says, referring to Mac's field code name. Yeah, Asset lost in the field, he says without emotion. What happened? GISS called it in about an hour ago. The Belgian Security Service, says Gabby. Why them? They were on the scene, apparently, says Anglesey. In Berlin? She sounds incredulous. Why? No intel on that. Sorry, says Anglesey. Stranra was killed at his shoot position, they said. I personally vetted the site, Gabby says more emotionally than she intended. It was secure. Evidently not. Is anyone actually fucking doing anything to find out what happened, Anglesey? She is angry now. We know you and he were close, Gabby. Which means what, exactly? She says. Take a break, Gabby. We're moving as quickly as we can. You know these things have protocols. Asset down in the field should be a bloody top priority. She can feel her heart beating. There's only one explanation for this sort of event. And that is? We've got a leak. Network status is secure, Gabby, he says officiously. Someone must have leaked, she continues. I only confirmed the kill location at 10pm last night. It was accessible to anyone with top secret clearance on the network. There's a briefing 
at twenty hundred hours, with Scarlet. You should be on it, says Anglesey. Got to go. Speak later. The screen goes blank. Anglesey was patently keeping something from her. She knows the protocol after losing someone in the field is to clamp down on communications, particularly to those junior staff who are connected in any way with the death. But as a senior officer, she should be kept across all of the information. If they're not being open with her, they must suspect something or have some sort of evidence. She's not going to sit back and wait. And if they're not going to tell her, she'll have to find out for herself. She drives out in the darkness to the river district of Berlin, where bars and cafes light up the sky. The river spray runs through the centre of Berlin and out to the countryside beyond, winding its way north and eventually to the sea. On this part of the riverside, Schiff-Bauer-Damstrasse sits directly on the bank, pushing into the heart of the city. She parks her car and looks out at the street, looking for anyone behaving suspiciously. She is trained to do this if she suspects there may be any sort of risk, and it feels now as though things are getting more risky. Her eyes flick across the passers-by, but everything seems normal. She pulls the door handle and steps out. The Met Bar has been an MI6 haunt for years. It was here before the fall of the Berlin Wall and was part of the escape route from east to west and used by hundreds of people. Gabrielle pushes the door and walks inside. The long, low room before her is populated with tables and chairs that have seen better days. The decor is decidedly retro, but is still here from the first time it was fashionable. A dozen men sit in twos and threes at the tables, talking over mostly beer. She checks the faces as she passes, but there's no one she knows. She sits on one of the tall stools at the bar and nods upwards to the barman by way of greeting. He picks up a bottle of beer from the shelf behind him, levers off the top, and puts it down in front of her. "'How's business, Hans?' she says. Agent Hans is Gordon Rathbone in real life, a graduate of Oxford, then the British Army, and now a field operative for MI6. He is a fixed deep-cover agent. Officially, he has no information given to him, and it is against the rules to give him any. He is supposed to be a one-way source, from the street into the security services. Informally, however, he is a mine of useful intelligence, and another one of the few people in the service who she trusts. It's been the busiest week ever, he says, which is code for it's safe to talk. I thought you might have heard what's going on. She takes a gulp of beer. One thing I do know is that you're on restricted comms after the Stranra thing, he says, and raises his eyebrows. Why, though? She looks concerned. I should be kept across it. They think you were involved in some way, Gab. Other things have gone on. Stranra was the third cock-up in a fortnight. Two agents are now an assassin. London are getting worried. 
I wasn't involved, she says, looking indignant. I'm not the one you need to convince, Gab, he says. There's a mole, Gordon. She drops her voice. London will take weeks to find them. I'm not going to sit around on my arse, waiting for Investigations Branch to find out I had nothing to do with it. Have a holiday. They're not going to give you any juicy work until they know you're in the clear, he says. She takes a long breath out and another mouthful of beer. In that case, I'm going to disappear, she says. Go off grid. And do what? Find out what happened. For Max's sake, she says. Gordon smiles. I might need your help too, she adds. You know I'll help you in any way I can. I could do with something more exciting than just being a fictional bartender. You know that drop point we set up last year? Site Carlo, he says. Gabrielle nods. Check Carlo every day at 4pm Berlin time. It's the only way I'll communicate with you. When I need you, I'll tell you. She finishes her beer and beckons him with her forefinger. He leans in close. She kisses him on the cheek and presses a USB stick into his hand. Look after the baby for me, she says, and turns away towards the door. As she pushes out into the street, a rush of northern air makes her eyes water, but only for a moment. Then she has gone. Hans leans down beneath the counter and lodges the storage device in a crevice against the underside of the bar. Gabrielle slept badly, and she knows why. She packs a bag and leaves her MI6 phone switched on by her bedside so they can't track her. She opens her safe and removes a brand new mobile, plus cash in euros and pounds, and stows it all in her bag. She slams the front door shut and walks to the nearest tram stop. She goes east and checks into a hotel on Morinstrasse, then dumps her bag and heads out to get breakfast. Within five minutes she registers that she is being tailed by a guy in a blue jacket and a severe haircut. She doesn't recognise him and needs to know if he is from the German intelligence service, the BND, or something more difficult to manage. She deploys a set of simple techniques to test if someone is following her, or whether it is just her own paranoia. He passes the tests. He is, indeed, a tale. Gabrielle returns to the hotel, but instead of going up to her room, she walks straight through the building and out of the back door into a small square yard. A set of external stairs are bolted to the back wall of the hotel as a fire escape, and she climbs up as far as it will go. At the top, a metal gate gives access to the roof. She kicks at the lock until the bracket holding it breaks away and the gate swings open. Gabrielle walks over to the front edge of the roof and peers down. Her tail is waiting at a cafe across the road. She takes her phone out and photographs him, then runs the image 
against the MI6 database of known people, but it doesn't match with anyone, and she swears under her breath. The hotel is not connected to the buildings either side. She picks one side and takes a run-up, then leaps into the air to the next block. For a second, she is airborne, flying towards the next roof. She hits it hard and rolls across the surface to within a few inches of the next edge and a drop of five stories. Her hand grabs out at a rod set in the roof, and her sinews strain as her body momentum pulls against the few fingers that have a grip. Then she stops. Gabrielle breaks into the access door for the lift shaft before climbing down to reach the floors of the block. Outside in the street, she turns west. After a minute, she checks for her tail in a shop window. She has lost him. She walks on, finds a cafe, and orders coffee and crepes. It takes her tail fifteen minutes to find her again. That means the BND have satellite tracking deployed. Someone must really want to know where she is, but she can't let this get in her way. She finishes her food and leaves ten euros on the table, then saunters across the street to an alleyway that she scouted while sitting in the cafe from behind her sunglasses. Gabby turns into the narrow passage and drops back into a doorway recess a few feet from the road entrance. She can see the tail arrive at the mouth of the alley, pause, then turn in, following her. She is suddenly conscious of her breathing and slows it down. As he passes her hiding place, Gabrielle delivers a high kick to his stomach, winding him. He bends over forwards, then writes himself more quickly than she expected. This is a professional who can cope with some onslaught. She leans back and kicks again, this time to his kidney. Gabby still has the upper hand. He groans and she grabs his arm, twists it behind him and pushes him down. Time to talk, she whispers in his ear, pressing him into the road. But his strength is enough to allow him to have some leeway, and he reaches out, grabs her neck, and thrusts his thumb against her throat. She is caught off guard and gasps. He presses harder. The air stops flowing. Gabby falls back, feeling light-headed. The man keeps his hand in place. She is fainting now. She can feel it invading her body. Her brain is running at double speed. She has to get his thumb off her windpipe. It takes all of her energy to bring her knee up to his groin. He is stunned for less than a second, but that is enough. She pushes him hard. He falls back and hits his head on the ground. She gets up and kicks him. He rolls away, gets to his feet, and runs back up the alleyway and around the corner. She yells a scream of frustration that she let him go. It's not the winning a fight that matters. It's getting the information from him, and that she failed to do. The risk level in her mind just ratcheted up 
another notch. By the time she gets back to the hotel, Gabby is still annoyed that she doesn't know and can't think who is tracking her. She needs to get out of Germany, that she knows. She packs up and pays cash for a taxi to Berlin Hauptbahnhof. The station is bustling with people walking in every direction. The tannoy shouts departures, and Gabby only just manages to catch her train as the whistles blow and the doors hiss their closure. She reaches London St Pancras station as the light is fading across the city. She walks through the streets following her mapping app. After half an hour, she can see Regent's Park tube station ahead of her and turns down into Park Crescent, a half-moon of Victorian mansions that sit facing north. She punches in a number code to a panel on one side of the door to number 12 and walks through. On the first floor, there is a second number panel and she enters another code. This is location B6, an MI5 safe house that she used five years ago for an operation to rescue the kidnapped wife of the Belgian ambassador. There is one person who she needs to visit in London who will tell her more about what has gone on. As long as the woman has not been already got at by someone, but that's a risk that Gabby will have to take.